the Commons, a podcast featuring researchers, innovators, artists, entrepreneurs, and community builders who are improving the human condition in your own backyard and around the globe. I'm your host, Tom Osho. I'm Tom Osha, and this is The Commons coming to you again live from Salt Lake City and the International Conference of AURP 2021. Joining me right now is Saul Behar. He is the General Counsel and Senior Vice President of Strategic Initiatives for the Science Center. Saul, welcome to The Commons. Thanks, Tom. Great to be here. Well, as you, as you can tell, we are really in the middle of uh, the AURP conference, folks all around, so it's a little noisy, but we'll do our best to talk over it. And so, so help me understand the evolution of the Science Center, which really started out, and I think may today still be one of the oldest, if not the oldest, urban research park in the country. Uh, that's absolutely right, Tom. So we were founded in 1963 for, I would say, the first 45 years or so of our existence. We really were focused on building out what you've described correctly as what now is the nation's oldest and largest urban research park. But I would say in the last 15 years or so, um, we've evolved as an organization to the point where now I would say that the real estate component of what we do is one weapon, if you will, or tool, if you will, in our arsenal. And today we're much more of a more holistic, quite honestly, more holistic uh, tech-based economic development organization that uh, facilitates and supports uh, innovation and entrepreneurship and tech-based economic development. So one of the things that really surprises me about the Science Center is the large number of constituents. It isn't just the obvious ones that are right there along Market Street in Philadelphia, but I think it goes far and wide, doesn't it? It it absolutely does. Uh, Philadelphia sits at the center of uh, a tri-state region, right? Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Delaware. And so we work with more than 40 different academic and healthcare institutions. Um, all of the names you've heard of in Philadelphia proper, like the University of Pennsylvania and Drexel University and Children's Hospital of Philadelphia and Temple University and Thomas Jefferson University, and as well as uh, institutions uh, in suburban Philadelphia like Villanova University and Haverford, Mary Morris, Swarthmore Colleges. Uh, but we also work with uh, organizations that... Uh, are, I would say, at the edges of um, Greater Philadelphia, like, for example, Rutgers University in New Jersey, the University of Delaware, uh, Lehigh, and Lafayette, which are in um, northern Pennsylvania. Uh, And then beyond that, we actually work with Penn State, uh, which is in the center of Pennsylvania, uh, both their main campus and their Hershey Medical Center, as well as the University of Pittsburgh. And actually, another organization we've uh, begun to work with recently is Princeton University. It's a, what truly an inclusive organization. So as, as you have evolved a little bit, and you said real estate is now, but, but just one tool, let's uh, talk a little bit about those other tools, the economic development and inclusion programs. Sure. So um, today, when we describe the Science Center, we, we talk about our organization as um, having four primary pillars, okay? And, and interestingly enough, real estate is not identified as one of those pillars because the, the pillars are really focused, focused on our programmatic activity. Okay. So um, we call them the four C's, uh, commercialize, uh, convene, uh, cultivate, and capital in no particular order. So we'll take them one at a time if that's okay with you. Uh, commercialize is you know, we help um, move technologies, technologies out of the lab and into the marketplace. And we also help companies uh, form, grow, uh, and, and help their technologies you know, develop to the point where they can 
go to the marketplace. Um, and so we have a number of programs that support that work. Uh, one of our signature programs is QED, which is the proof of concept fund that we started about 11 or 12 years ago. Uh, we work with more than 22 academic institutions and healthcare institutions throughout Greater Philadelphia. And the idea is to help their early stage technologies that are still in the labs uh, move across what everyone knows as the valley of death um, and, and figure out a way to figure out how we can validate those technologies to determine whether or not they have commercial potential. Uh, that's a program that's been around for 12 years. We've worked with more than 40 projects so far, uh, and uh, we've attracted, I think, more than $6 million of program funding. And uh, the companies that have been, su been successful have, in turn, uh, attracted millions of dollars of funding. Uh, we have other programs in Commercialize, um, Phase One Ventures, which is kind of a, a program that's focused on startup companies and helping them grow, uh, as well as um, uh, accelerators, incubators um, that, again, are all focused on helping bring products to market. The next uh, pillar, if you will, is Convene, which is all about bringing the uh, innovation and entrepreneurship community together and also opening uh, the community up to segments of the broader community. So uh, we have a venture cafe uh, in Philadelphia that um, is a weekly event that brings together uh, folks from the community. Uh, we've been doing it in person as well as virtually, of course, during the uh, pandemic. Now we're in a hybrid format. We hope to get back to fully uh, in person in the future. Uh, we also have a program called Quorum, where we have a series of events that are uh, meant to be educational uh, for um, folks that are interested in the subject matters it's covered. Um, then we have Cultivate, which actually I oversee, uh, which is all about how, how can we diversify and expand the STEM talent pipeline. And so we have two programs in Cultivate. One is First Hand, which is a program that is focused on STEM education for middle school students and high school students. The idea is to provide them with opportunities for out-of-school time learning during the school day. Uh, we work with a number of schools in Philadelphia. Most of them are public schools, and all of them are underserved and under-resourced. Um, we, we have the kids come to a dedicated lab space on our campus when we're not in a pandemic. And, when, and during the pandemic, we've been delivering our content virtually to these kids at their own schools. And the idea is to get them interested in topics like genetics or plastics or taste or electrochemistry or IT or even 5G wireless technology, and I can go on and on. And really, the idea is to, is to spark their interest in STEM at the middle school level or the high school level and have them think about studying STEM in high school and beyond and ultimately pursuing a STEM career. And we also have a workforce development program that we started a couple of years ago. Uh, we're now running an um, initiative called BULB, which stands for Building an Understanding of Lab Basics. And the idea is to work with uh, residents and the surrounding West Philadelphia community, uh, which uh, is a highly challenged, a high-poverty community. Um, and we want to create opportunities for these folks to learn about basic lab skills uh, and then ultimately uh, connect to jobs uh, with science and technology companies uh, in uh, Philadelphia and beyond. And, and, and the goal there really is not only to have these folks um, be plugged into jobs at science and tech companies themselves in terms of lab jobs, but also jobs in adjacent fields where having those labs, uh, that knowledge of lab skills could be useful. It could be anything from logistics to marketing to commercial cleaning to uh, accounting and finance, you name it. Um, so we're interested in creating more opportunities for, for those folks, and again, in an effort to diversify the STEM talent pipeline. And the last pillar, very quickly, is capital, uh, which for us encompasses grants on the government side. We have a long-standing relationship with the EDA. I know many of the, of the organizations here are involved with the Build Back Better um, challenge, so are we. <laughs> and uh, uh, but we're also, in, in addition to that, we're looking to create and launch a series of funds, seed funds, Series A funds, potentially donor-advised funds, uh, to provide more capital 
for uh, startup companies, particularly companies uh, that are led by underrepresented founders. And we're also particularly interested in attracting underrepresented, underrepresented investors into these funds. And so we can diversify both the investor base as well as the uh, company base. So it's interesting that in the midst of um, University of Pennsylvania, Drexel, Children's Hospital, all of whom are doing their own innovation things, that really U-City and, and the Science Center have, have emerged as really the highly desirable, if not preferred, place to do innovation. Talk a little bit about how that was achieved. So I think part of it is that we've been doing this for a long time, right? I mean, you know, we while we were focused on building out that urban research park that I described, we were also focused on providing space for startup companies and providing an environment where startup companies could flourish, right? Uh, but it was really focused on real estate, I have to say, for us, right? Um, today, you know, we have a, a terrific relationship with Wexford and with Ventas, and we've basically have delegated to them, the, you know, the real estate development part of what we were doing in the past. And so we're now much more focused on programming. I like to think of it as in the past, we actually provided incubator space. Today, we provide incubation services and support. And we have others who provide the incubation sp incubator space, per se. So, um, you know, we have a history of providing that environment, and that's now evolved into providing this, this series of services, programs that support the work that these companies do. And what I also like to, the way I like to think about it is that, you know, all of those uh, institutions that you mentioned, they're very much a part of our own ecosystem. We have very close uh, relationships with all of those institutions. Um, they are very supportive of what, of what we do and vice versa. Uh, but, you know, to a certain extent, and sometimes, you know, a large extent, um, what happens at those institutions is focused on technologies coming out of those institutions, right? And so we have the advantage of not being tied to any specific institution. And, you know, we can, um, you know, attract uh, interest and, and, and capital and, and, and um, you know, uh, uh, companies, right, that are really interested in, in looking more broadly at the greater Philadelphia ecosystem and aren't necessarily interested in aligning with one particular institution. And we, you know, can provide that connectivity, we can provide that glue, and we really can serve as what I like to think of as an innovation intermediary uh, in a neutral fashion where, you know, we're not uh, holding up the banner for one particular institution, we're actually holding up the banner for the ecosystem as a whole. So, uh, really, the the Philadelphia ecosystems hit a tipping point, particularly in cell gene therapy, very much exactly along the lines you've just described, right? Exactly, exactly. You, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, Philadelphia is definitely becoming an epicenter for cell and gene therapy. Uh, it really started with the work that was being done at the University of Pennsylvania and Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, and now it's, it's uh, evolved to the point where, you know, we have a, a number of different things happening. We have companies that are, that are being... Um, uh, created out of the work that's being done at those institutions. We have companies from outside the region that are coming into the region because of the work that's being done at those institutions. Um, we have companies that are being spun out of some of the other companies that are already in, 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 in the region. Um, and then we have, um, you know, based on technologies that already exist, right? And then we have uh, individuals at those companies that are already in the region who want to go off and do their own thing, right? And stay in the region. So I like to think of those four elements uh, as together contributing to uh, the tremendous growth that we're seeing in cell and gene therapy. And you're absolutely right that that is uh, very much a focus of what's happening right now in Philadelphia. But particularly at the Science Center, we're also very interested in what else is happening. So, you know, we are also focused on what's happening in the medical device space and in the medical diagnostic space, right? And there's a, there's a long history of that in Greater Philadelphia. That's going to continue. And, you know, although we are very much focused on what's happening in the cell and gene therapy sector, we're also really focused on what's happening in those other sectors and looking at the connections 
among and between the sectors. I mean, if you look, if you look at, for example, data analytics, that's another area that's growing rapidly, and, and that ties into cell and gene therapy, that ties into other life sciences um, uh, uh, sectors, and um, we're focused on that as well. I guess the ultimate validation comes when when large companies like Lilly, uh, BioMariu, uh, Roche come in and acquire and choose to leave those companies in place in Philadelphia. That's exactly right. And those are all great examples, right? So Roche came in and acquired Spark Therapeutics, but they're staying in Philadelphia. Um, Eli Lilly acquired Avid Radio Pharmaceuticals several years ago, and Avid is still in Philadelphia as a standalone operating division of Lilly. And uh, Invisible Sentinel, uh, which is a company that has created a rapid diagnostic to detect the presence of contamination in food and, and, and uh, beverage uh, was acquired uh, a couple, two or three years ago by Biomariu out of France. Um, and it was interesting when we had the uh, presentation yesterday from Biofire, which is right, another right. company yep. that was acquired. And a similar story, right? They, they're, they were acquired by Biomariu. They were in Salt Lake. They're still on Salt Lake. Salt Lake, and we are a similar story in Philadelphia. And then on top of that, and I mentioned this briefly, but you know, again, it's it's um, representative of the trend you're talking about. We have a company like Amicus Therapeutics, right, which right. is a cell and gene therapy that was established in New Jersey, was grew in New Jersey, um, and ultimately decided to come to Philadelphia. Even though they still have a base of operations in New Jersey, but they've come to Philadelphia and they're growing their operation rapidly in Philadelphia because they want to be closer to all the all the great things that are happening in the cell and gene therapy space in Philadelphia. And you know, we have many other companies that were started in Philadelphia, that are growing in Philadelphia. And, you know, from a real estate standpoint, as I know you know, Tom, um, we can't, you know, the space can't be built faster, right? right? right. I mean, it, it's, it, the, the demand is really insatiable. So, so how big is the science center talking about space? So, you know, I always am um, a little bit off in terms of the numbers, but, you know, it, historically I've liked to say we're like 16 buildings and 17 acres. We're, we're on Market Street uh, between 34th and 38th Streets. Um, but uh, what's really interesting for us, and again, this ties to how we've evolved as an organization, right? Um, back in 2015, we entered into a joint development agreement with, with Wexford, where we basically agreed that we would combine what we now call our legacy campus with um, some land that Wexford controlled to the north of us. And now, of course, we have what's called U-City Square, which is the combined campus overall. Um, and... Uh, subsequent to that, of course, uh, Ventas entered the picture, and so now we have a... a three-party marriage, if you will, between Wexford and, and, and Ventas and the Science Center, which is really running on all cylinders, and it's just a wonderful relationship. So let, let me ta- let's go back in history just very briefly, because I've always wondered, so what is the connection between the Science Center and Buckminster Fuller? So that's a great question. So Buckminster Fuller at, at one time was um, a, a resident scientist, if you will, a resident thinker at the yeah. Science Center back in the late 70s and early 80s, and he was very inspirational, right? And, right, and, right. Uh, you know, in some ways, he really embodied, you know, how we think of ourselves as being, you know, future thinking, as being, you know, wanting, as wanting to, you know, uh, challenge um, received wisdom, uh, to think outside of the box. And, um, you know, he was really instrumental in how we thought about where we were as an organization, where we wanted to go as an organization. And uh, he is really a beloved figure in our history. And, and I think that, uh, that culture of thinking outside the box, of creativity, uh, continues to this day. Very, very much so. Uh, we are always thinking about the future. I mean, I, you know, this really ties into recent developments at the Science Center. Uh, we have a new CEO who started with us about a year ago. Her name is Tiffany Wilson. She came to us from the Global Center for Medical Innovation in Atlanta. Uh, it's great to have her in, in on board. Uh, it's great to have her coming to us from outside the region and to bring for her to bring to us uh, some of the knowledge and wisdom she's gained from from being outside the region. Um, it's it's great to have her perspective as somebody who is. Um, very much focused on um, 
uh, entrepreneurship and how to help companies grow, um, particularly, as I mentioned earlier, in the diagnostic space. Uh, that really is uh, kind of our sweet spot, and we want to leverage that as well as continue to look at science and technology more generally. Um, but she's a great addition to the team. She's a great leader. And as we move forward, you know, we're actually in the middle of a um, process where we're actually taking a look at our strategic plan and, and, and coming up with a new strategic plan. And it really does align with, with where we've been and where we're going. But I would also say that there are a couple of areas of, of emphasis for us going forward. One is on healthcare specifically. And within healthcare, health disparities specifically. And what can we do to address health disparities? And we know that a lot of um, companies in particular are looking at that now. And we very much want to help those companies as they look at what they can do in, in, in terms of uh, remediating health disparities. And the other, the other area of emphasis, I would say, is, is inclusive growth. This gets, it gets back, this gets back to what I mentioned earlier. How can we provide more opportunities for folks who are, who are not in the ecosystem now, who want to get into the ecosystem? How can we provide more opportunities for founders of companies who, who are themselves underrepresented, who may not have all the tools they need to help their companies grow? And how can we actually broaden uh, the investor space and have more folks who historically have felt excluded from you know, becoming investors? How can we create more opportunities for them to invest in companies and build equity and build wealth? Well, I think that's why the, the Science Center in New City are such an established district. It continues to evolve, right, to meet the needs of, of what's going on. So let's end with a personal question. What is one thing that, uh, that our listeners might be surprised to know about you? Oh, my gosh. Um, well, I guess one thing that um, they might be surprised to know about me is that I'm a first-generation American. I don't necessarily present as one, but I am. Uh, and uh, my uh, father was born in Cuba. And my mother was born in Europe and ultimately ended up in Cuba when she was a, a little girl. And my parents uh, uh, met when they were in school. They went to the college at the University of Havana. Uh, Fidel Castro was a classmate. Uh, so this was in the late 40s and early 50s. But ultimately, my parents decided to come to the United States in the mid-50s simply because my father got a job offer. And so this was well before the revolution. And um, they came here with nothing. And uh, so, you know, I'm, um, I'm a product of, uh, of uh, their hard work. And their determination. I'm really proud of that. And um, you know, I, um, I, I, you know, the stories that we often hear about immigrants really resonates with me. Uh, and and, and it, 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 and I think about my background in connection with that. That's a great story. And, and thank you so much for sharing it. Thank you for sharing the story of the Science Center. And uh, here's to another 50 plus years of, of continued growth. Definitely. Yeah. Thanks for the opportunity, Tom. Well, great thank to you talk so with much you. For, for being here, Saul. I appreciate it. My guest today has been Saul Behar. He is the General Counsel and Senior Vice President of Strategic Initiatives for the Science Center. This has been The Commons. I'm Tom Osha. The Commons is a production of Wexford Science and Technology, LLC. Views and opinions expressed are solely those of the host and guest. To view additional material about today's episode, submit questions or story ideas, or learn more about Wexford Science and Technology, please visit www.wexfordscitech.com forward slash the commons. I'm your host, Tom Osha. Thanks for listening.